This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Raslan, today, we have the returns of, uh, she's a writer, used to be a photographer and a filmmaker, and uh, she is Bernice Chorley. Hello. Did I miss anything else? You're such a Renaissance woman. Well, uh, no, that's good to know. Okay. And she's also, <laughs> she's also a teacher, of course. And, uh, and he is a producer here at BFM, and he is Mikey Gong. Hello, everybody. Hello there. Uh, this is actually the first episode of A Bit of Culture in the year 2021. So, you know, we are, we're leading the way in a brave new universe of happiness, sweetness, and light that is going to be 2021. And, and so our three <laughs> topics this week will be, uh, topic number one is uh, cinematic universes. Topic number two is the demise of the magazine industry. Very sad. And finally, topic number three is what are the elements that make for a good ghost story? So uh, with topic number one, cinematic universes, Bernice, what do you got? Okay. Well, you know, 2020 was such a bizarrely, you know, awful year, spectacularly awful. And I think a lot of us have just been, you know, sort of mulling, look, contemplating our lives, you know, the, the nature of existence and, and existential angst and whatnot. But yes, you know, like many of us, um, I've been, been sort of delving into my childhood cinematic universes um, and finding a great deal of satisfaction in losing myself in these worlds. So I'm talking specifically about um, the Star Wars universe. I'm talking about cinematic universes that span many, many series on, on cinema and on television. Um, the, you know, my favorite one is of, course, is of course the Star Wars universe, but then you have the Marvel universe, you have the Lord of the Rings universe, you have the Star Trek universe, you have the Harry Potter universe, you have the James Bond universe. And you know, you, you may not agree, but also maybe the Indiana Jones series. Um, with Harrison Ford. So, yeah, and just, you know, the fact that um, Disney Plus announced about two weeks ago that they were going to be rolling out about 10 different series that are connected to the Star Wars universe. So, therefore, giving stories to Obi-Wan, Kenobi, um, Ahsoka Tano, uh, Rogue Squadron, uh, Boba Fett will get his own series as well. So, all spin-offs from The Mandalorian, the success of The Mandalorian, thanks to John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who are absolute geniuses. Um, Thank you so much for changing the Star Wars fan's life uh, so <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just want to talk about, you know, how much it's influenced us, the kind of money that's being rolled out and spent and the kind, of, um, the kind of sway that it has over ordinary people who just want to lose themselves for a couple of hours, for days, you know, months, weeks, years, whatever, into well, living in, in a different kind of reality, into a possibility. And, and for allowing us to still dream and still imagine, yes, there is you no know, one time, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that these stories can be told and can, can unfold to enrich our lives in the midst of such, um, you know, untimely misery and squalor. <laughs> well, let's look at the influencing our lives thing. I mean, Bernice, you've, mm. just, list, you've just listed, I guess, you know, uh, reminding you of the child inside kind of thing and, and wonder yes. and uh, mm -hmm. away from the mundane of, of the here and the now. Um, Mikey, are you, a, are you a Star Wars-y kind of guy? We're, we're all the oh, same yeah. age, by the way. Uh, just, yep. just, just to <laughs> let, let listeners know. Oh, I love science fiction. It's one of my favorite genres. I love uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, especially. Mm. And I lose myself in other. Uh, I lose myself in dystopian science fiction as well. 
I'm not sure how you actually lose yourself in it because that's a big slice of reality. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, I'm, uh, you know, and I, and I do love science fiction. I have a question for Bernice. Uh, uh-huh. I have a finance background. This is what I do at BFM. So we talk about money yes. and in relation to a cinematic universe, I immediately think about throwing money at social effects, graphics, making it look bigger, mm-hmm. uh, more, you know, and larger, uh, larger than life. Doesn't mm-hmm. that have a tendency of taking it, things away from the storyline and actually making yourself lose yourself in? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's looking at possibility and how, you know, the imagination can actually take, take riot. Um, if you look at the special effects that, that, that first inhabited the Star Wars, the first Star Wars film that came out in the 70s, and you hope, and you're looking at, you know, very basic special effects. You're looking at engineers going around sort of tapping, mm. you know, metal pipes and, and, you know, for just to make certain kinds of sounds. And you look at how, how far that has expanded until now. I mean, even the sound of the lightsaber and what the lightsaber can do. Um, I think it's also, you know, it's, 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 it's merging science and art and, 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 and looking at the craft of, of CGI effects and the craft of, of making something work on screen, you know, using uh, miniatures to using, you know, how water can, and fire in terms of the, the, the um, you know, blowing something up. If you look at how the Death Star, the first Death Star blew up on the first hours to the later um, um, films, you can see vast improvement. Mm. So it's also, it's also, you know, giving someone the imagination and the time and the effort and the money to create something that works on screen. So it's, I see it as also generating jobs. I see it as, as generating talent. I see it as pushing, um, you know, science and, and the art of science on the screen in, in a way that, that makes it more and more pleasing to the eye and to the ear. But can I ask, uh, I mean, the three of us, we, we must have seen Star Wars when it first came out in 1976, or was it 77? No, 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 uh, 77. 77, Rex, Rex oh, Cinema oh, in Kiel. I remember that. <laughs> all right. And, and the excitement, and then that, that Imperial cruiser going overhead, all very exciting. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yes, yeah. Mind yes, blowing. Yes. But Bernice, yes. you have two kids, right? Yes. How, how do they react to, you just mentioned the special effects, how do they react to... Uh, and have they watched, do they enjoy those old Star Wars movies? Yeah, they, because, you know, I sat them down and I said, you have to watch this. And I named my second daughter, I named my second daughter after Leia. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, this... <laughs> yeah. that's they, how crazy uh, I am. I, 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 I can just imagine this. You have to watch this. This is a punishment. Oh, really? Okay. Give me a double portion. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I mean, I, I know people who have never, ever watched a single Star Wars uh, film, and it's just boggling, you know? It's yeah. like... Wow, it's a necessary parenting school. I think it's just something that, as a parent, you have to do. It's like yeah. you, you have to sit down and watch Star Wars. You know, it's just yeah. one, it's really one of those things. Well, you know these people, but they're not friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was, I was actually just remembering how uh, uh, when the new tranche of Star Wars movies were released uh, mm-hmm. was about ten years ago now, a bit less than that. You mean the last three, episode seven, yeah, eight, and nine, yeah. which are completely forgettable, you know? No, I mean, they, no, they're good, they're good. No, anyway. no, 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 no. <laughs> what, I, what I found fascinating was that uh, uh, China, which is an enormously mm-hmm. important market, China knew yes. nothing about Star Wars because yeah. it all happened in the 70s. Yeah. So uh, when, when the studio released it, they held back the release in China and they had to do a massive education. Uh, yeah, with the, last, with the last film, yeah. Uh, to, yeah. to, to get people excited about it because, uh-huh. uh, I mean, they didn't care. 
I, I think it was successful, but probably you know not as successful as uh, as it could have been because they never grew up with it. Yeah, yeah, it's a difference when you, it, there's a huge difference when you grow up with it. You know, you 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 know you're sort of nine years old or ten, as I was. Um, you know, and you watch New Hope, and it just changes your life forever. I mean, really, it just transformed my existence. You know, growing up in Ipoh, it's like it just wow. You know, and this this yeah. kind of world can exist this kind of story. And of course, you know, looking at um, how, st- how George Lucas crafted the stories, it's really looking at archetypes. It's looking at the hero's journey. And I've been listening to Joseph Campbell again and again in the last uh, couple of weeks and, and really mapping out what, what human beings are. You know, we, we all have these, these stories, whether from our culture, whatever culture we come from, of that particular journey, of going on that quest. Mm. of finding a mentor, of, you know, diving deep into the abyss and then re- resurfacing again. And, you know, and it really is a story of our times, of, of what, what 2020 has been like as well, you know, just, just trying to get through to the other side. And I think that's why, you know, the, these cinematic universes resonate so much with us. It really is a very human thing. Mm. Hey, Mikey, you, you wanted to say something? Yes. Uh, a lot of the movies that Denise mentioned are actually science fiction movies. Uh, and I'm just curious, can you lose yourself in, let's say, uh, the Qu- Quentin Tarantino movies, for example? Which, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe even the Godfather series, which is uh, dramatic, but it's based on, on, on real life, and yet fiction at the same time based on what, what Mario Puzo wrote about. So can you actually lose yourself in those kind of... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's a different kind of losing oneself because you're looking at very flawed human beings. You're looking at, at you know, the worst of, of a particular character and delving, you know, really, really into that, that particular, you know, mm. the dark side of the character. And that's why I like, you know, Star Wars because you look at the light and the dark and, you know, it's someone who's turned to the dark side and then you come to the light. And so I think that, you know, with Tarantino's last film, um, you know, with, with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I loved that. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was just really, really well done. And it looked very specifically at a, at a point in time in Hollywood. So I think it was, there was a little element of time travel there, a little sort of suspension of disbelief. Um, um, so much, um, you know, uh, to a certain extent. But, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, with, with creating sort of certain dystopia and fantasy and sci-fi movies, you are trying to sort of elevate the human ex- experience from planet Earth and sort of take it beyond into the stars, into different galaxies. And it's, it's a huge leap of the imagination. I mean, George Lucas is an incredible person to have been able to do that. I mean, it just takes so much, you know, imagination and just, just to be able to look beyond the realm of what this existence is to postulate and to dream and to imagine. I think it's just extraordinary. It's just, it's, it's just uh, wonderful. It's, it's, it's uh, it, made my, uh, my life so much better. <laughs> uh, I, I love it when Bernice Chorley is gushing about... Before you speak, we, we must move on. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you both very quickly, though. Uh, 2021, I think uh, Dune, the, the new movie of Dune, I mm. think is going to be released in 2021. Uh, uh, are you two looking forward to it? Yes, uh, of course. Yes, yeah. Mikey. Not so much. I used to read the Dune novels, but somehow it it doesn't resonate so much with me anymore. Uh, I'm actually more. I've actually gone into more uh, slightly more dystopian science fiction, mm-hmm. um, and you know uh, wow. shows like The Expanse. Yeah, uh, yeah which is Amazon very good. Prime, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, more really real. Good. 
what I call a realistic science fiction as opposed to idealistic sci-fi, which I still <laughs> like on occasions. Okay, well, uh, uh, well, look out for Dune anyway. But we must move on because uh, topic number two, Mikey, uh, the the demise of the magazine industry. Right. Uh, so I was reflecting on 2020, and one of the most shocking news for me of the year was uh, it was the closure of I think Blue Ink Media Center in Berhad, which is the largest purveyor of local magazines, uh, Women's Weekly, uh, you know, Clio, etc. I've been in operation since 1974, so it's basically from when I was a child. And I grew up with some of these mag- magazine, uh, magazines. Um, in fact, I, gr- I think uh, Bernice, Cam, I think mm-hmm. all three of us grew up with magazines. They're a big part of our cultural milieu. Am I, am I right in saying that? And even up to... Now they, they form a significant part of, of my lifestyle. Uh, I was actually sharing with, the, and with, and with my wife before this. Why is it before every time I go overseas on a holiday at the airport, one of the things that I always have to do is go to a news agent and get three magazines. And I can tell you what those three magazines are. Uh, one will be The Economist. Another will be a travel magazine, always a travel magazine. And the third and this is odd, will be a magazine on, on fighter planes, <laughs> aircraft. Yes, exactly. Wow. I'm a little bit of a military geek. So those three magazines, all right? Occasionally, I'll get, you know, and I'll get something uh, different, but it usually rolls around this tree. And so that just led me to think about uh, the role that magazines uh, have played in, you know, in my life and shaping my sort of uh, way of thinking. What, what do magazines mean to you? Uh, Cam? Well, I, uh, I, myself and Bernie's, uh, we, we've mm. both written for magazines, oh, Men's Review back yes. in the day, right. yes, and various was... others. And I was the editor at uh, Esquire magazine. Uh, oh, yes. I used to read that too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, I remember going down to Miami Baby Center in uh, Ampang <laughs> and, uh, or, or Hock Choon. Hock Choon was always the best. They had a fabulous yes. on yes. John Ampang. Um, and just like, you know, what, what should I get? What should I get? And it would be like uh, Vanity Fair. and Or like you, Mikey, I would get uh, Fighter Aircraft Weekly. Oh, <laughs> I knew a kindred spirits camp somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember Jackie and Tiger Beat from my teenage yeah, years. Right, yeah. mm. Tiger Beat. Yeah. yeah, that was, you know, especially the ones that came from the UK. Um, just to sort of keep abreast of all the music and the bands and Duran Duran and Kaja uh, Gugu and so on and so forth. Steve yeah. Strange, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But as, um, as, but as young man, a young man, Clint Eastwood, uh, recently said, damn internet ruins everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, but I think that actually the way that, uh, you know, young people, whoever, you, you've never read a magazine in your life, the way that you, you scroll through and, and, and mm. flick from one area of uh, the internet to the other is still, is the magazine, uh, the way you read a magazine. Um, mm. I mean, the, the magazine at its best was a, a collage of mm. experiences and, and knowledge and sort of... Yeah. But like that Geo, for example, you know, I mean, I still have back copies from the, some of the 80s and the 90s. And my dad had a whole stack of them from the 60s mm. and the 70s. And, and I used to read those when, I, you know, going back to what Mikey was saying, like if I was, I would, use, I would read those. Um, you know, for example, when I went to Bulgaria in the 90s, I was like, oh, I think there's an old copy of Nat Geo at home. And I, 
you know, went back to my mom's house and I found right. it and there it was, it was just like, wow, this, you know, yeah. I think it was always a, a point of reference, mm. you know, to traveling abroad. It's like, okay, let's see if it's in the net too. Let's see if it's in a magazine and then I'll, I'll have a look first. And then, yeah. Yeah. So another thing I actually picked up about magazines that I actually like. Now, if you actually force yourself to read a magazine from cover to cover, there'll be things that you pick up that you wouldn't necessarily have imagined in the beginning. Now, correct me if I'm right or wrong. Um, in, in, a, in a magazine, the feature articles are always in the first and first part and the middle part. Am I am I right? And no one re- and really skips the and reads the last part unless you are bored, stuck in an airport for three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I just noticed this. I read Economist, and being a finance person, I'll read all the current market news, etc. But sometimes I'll read the back and, and the book reviews. And guess what? I wouldn't have known that this year was Beethoven's Jubilee celebration. Mm. If not for The Economist, there you go. I wouldn't have found out about a book that talks about Perestroika, uh, uh, you know, Perestroika in Paris, a, 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 a follow-up from George Orwell's Animal Farm, I, if, if I didn't read the, well, and the back page of The Economist. The Economist so, uh, Christmas New Year uh, edition is always... Mm. Uh, something to look forward to great essays actually i would say that the, the back part of the magazine is always the best i actually uh, used to specialize i've written for many magazines i would specialize in being the the person who wrote the the, the essay on the back page uh of any magazine because mm. that would be the sort of funny insightful essay about you know nothing in particular mm. um so the back page is always the best spot, and there is no back page on the in, in on the internet. Damn, the internet ruins everything. Good point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't but remember I, the last time I bought a magazine. Actually, yeah, I can't remember the last. Yeah. Gosh, wow! But why don't you buy magazines anymore? I just bought my last one two days ago. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just want, I'm just wondering what kind of information it would tell me that I don't that I'm that I'm you know can't find on the internet or. I guess the joy of reading a magazine is is gone. I just I just don't don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I used to look forward to buying Vanity Fair uh, and you know um, um, Oprah's magazine from time to time. I remember buying Mother Jones, God, years and years ago. Hmm. The Utney Reader that was also years and years ago. But no, I just haven't bought a magazine in in years, years and years. To be yeah, honest, well, same same here. I'm not really I think, sure why. I think one of the you know back in the day. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't read th- that magazine, what else were you going to read? Uh, that's mm. a good point. Mm. Nothing around. Yes. Uh, whereas now, there are, there are always pictures of kittens out there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, TikTok. TikTok, yes, there is. Yeah, there's the, TikTok. There yes, is there's the, the TikTok, Mikey, yes. No TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mikey, are you going to be uh, single-handedly holding up the, the, the last remnants of the magazine industry then? Yes, I am. It uh, it actually saddens me whenever I walk when whenever I walk past uh, a news vendor and I see the magazine shelf totally empty or replaced with chips or or, or you know or, or other things. Uh, I, for one, will be holding the flag for the magazine industry until the last issue comes out or whatever that is. Well, I, I was very gratified. Uh, quite recently, I met somebody who was in a doctor's uh, waiting room, 
and there was a copy there of Men's Review magazine from like mm. 1990 something or other. Mm. And she said, oh, I read your thing in uh, Men's Review magazine written 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so so there, there will be doctor's mm. uh, surgeries where <laughs> magazines will, will live on. <laughs> National Geographic will live on some, yes, in some yes, form. And, well, yeah, but I think it's been bought by Rupert Murdoch and it's going to be, it's going oh, to be turned okay. into well. nefarious, something fascistic. <laughs> we'll come uh, from that. Uh, okay. anyway, <laughs> I think about what I said. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we move on. We move on. And uh, in a moment, though, we're going to come back with uh, asking, what are the elements that make a good ghost story? Here on a Bear Culture BFM 89.9. And we're back uh, with myself, Cam Ruslan, Bernice Chorley, and Mikey Gong. And now um, I, I can do a topic which I'm amazed we've never done on a bit of culture. This is Malaysia, and we've never talked about ghost stories. Um, really? I, how odd. How yes. amazing. <laughs> how, it, it's crazy. Oh, but I, I want to just ask, uh, no, I don't, don't want to be necessarily telling ghost stories, but, but you know, ask what are the elements? Because... Uh, Angela Carter, the author Angela Carter, Bernice, you must be familiar with Angela Carter. Mm -hmm. So she wrote uh, a long time ago, a story called Company of Wolves. Uh, and it's kind of werewolves and wolves. It's a take on um, Little Red Riding Hood. Never read it. And I haven't seen the movie either. But she was saying how she would go around the world uh, telling this story, reading the story to school kids. And they would be very afraid of, of these stories of werewolves and wolves. But then one day she was reading the story to a class and they were not afraid at all. They were really quite bored. And so she asked them after, it's like, well, you know, everyone's always scared of this. Why aren't you? And they said, well, you know, lady, we're Canadians and there are wolves right outside this window right now. You can't scare us with something that we know intimately. And mm -hmm. so it made me think how ghost stories, I think, are very particular to uh, the environment, the landscape mm -hmm. that the listener... Mm -hmm the audience is in because mm. a ghost story that works in Malaysia, you tell the same story to a bunch of Australians in Australia. They'll be like, I think they'll be like, what's so scary about that? What's a banana tree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's a banana yeah. tree? Right. So I'm yeah. just asking, you know, what are the elements? Like for instance, I think one of the elements that is perhaps universal is darkness. Mm. Uh, it it yeah. needs to be set in darkness. So you don't know what's, out there mm. uh, it's, it's a lot of fear of what you can't see i, I put jaws you know the, the great white mm. shark in that category because the water is not our our natural terrain you don't know what's in the water mm. <clears throat> and you can drown <laughs> oh well, well what, oh, are, what elements do you think are necessary to, to conjure a good ghost story Cam, for me, the sound is extremely important. Do you remember watching horror movies on, on TV and, and putting your hands over your eyes? No, but the music would just, the suspenseful music would still have a huge effect on you. And, that, and that's normal because horror movies, in order to scare you, need to affect all the senses, visual, auditory, well, mm. you know, hopefully not tactile. <laughs> but <yeah>. so, <laughs> uh, so that music is important to build up a, a, you know, a mood of an, an impending fear and feeling of doom, fear, yeah. uh, anxiety. So it'd be like minor keys, I guess. Mm, right. Minor keys are supposed yeah. to make, yes. Yeah, and that dun 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 Yeah, it depends on whether it's, you know, you're watching something on, on, on TV 
or um, you're reading something. So I'm not really a fan of horror because I just, I just don't really like being scared um, to my wit's end. You know, I think the last horror film I watched was The Ring and that was the American remake. And I was like, had nightmares for three days. And I just, you know, I don't enjoy horror because it just doesn't, it it's really spooks me out unnecessarily. And I just don't like to be scared by, by you know, things that go bump in the night. Um, but again, going back to what you were saying about just being how horror and, and ghost stories are part of, uh, you know, the milieu and the sort of cultural societal milieu that we live in. Uh, my daughter went jogging the other day, really, really late at night. And it was like 11.30 and she said, you know, I was calling her like, where are you? Where are you? And she said she was jogging around Tamantun where we live. And uh, she came across a path and she smelled jasmine. And I was like, oh, my God. And she was uh, like, yeah. oh, I just ran. <laughs> so I ran as fast as I could. And, you know, so if you, if you mention the smell of jasmine flowers at 1130 at night to someone who lives in Paris, and they might just go, oh, well, you know, just, you know, flower salad. But for us here, it has mm, a different kind yeah. of connotation. Um, mm, so it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff that, that you know, freaks me out. Um, and I think that there's enough around here because we are so, we have, we have such a profound belief in the spirit world that, you know, everything that is, that is out of the ordinary, that is an anomaly will immediately, you know, arouse some kind of suspicion in you. It's like, oh, wow, what, why, why is that there? Why is that object there? Why did someone put this in front of my door? You know, I mean, we have, we have shrines everywhere. You know, we respect trees. I think what's really scary for me is, um, is forests. You know, there, mm. there's so many series on Netflix now with, the sort of the the very dark sort of alpine spruce forest with tall pine trees and stuff like that because there's so many Scandinavian you know crime stories that come out of the forest and sort of some mysterious stories that come out of um, of, of very European type forests and I think we can also say the same for our, our rainforests you know and in, in um, you know the Arunasti have a reverence for the forest, and so do we, um, because the forest hides things. It's it's the, it's the keeper of secrets. It's the keeper of, of of ghosts and supernatural things and things that are unknown to us. So, but, but I, I think, think for me, yeah, the, the forest is, is something that yeah. But I yeah. think you absolutely touch on on uh, the the local and the universal there. The because uh, it's funny with uh, the, the the crime genre in Sweden. The thing is, Sweden's actually a very safe place. Uh, mm -hmm. Very few people actually get murdered in Sweden. <laughs> and, yet, and yet there's a super abundance of books about it. I think the audience, uh, if the audience feels safe, mm. then things can frighten them. Mm. Uh, that if uh, the audience is, is literally feel, feeling safe at home and then you say, oh, look at the forest just out there. Mm. Uh, it's it's coming towards you, then that <laughs> that would friend because that's supposed to be far away over there. Mm. Um, I, I've read this wonderful seminal book on uh, on uh, study on um, European fairy tales, Brothers Grimm and all that kind of thing, which mm -hmm. are really horrible stories about children being chopped off. Yeah, yeah, yes. And they, they went through all these stories in the various iterations over hundreds of years and found that they could not find anything that said, and the moral is this, mm. you know, d don't do this, mm. don't do that. There was no moral whatsoever. So they were positing that actually what, what all these uh, things had was that they were read just for the sake of frightening children, because it's fun 
to frighten children. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. old people just like doing that. It's, I mean, it's kind of fun. It's like kids going, ah. It was fun to make kids work at the age of eight, too, back in those days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because the kid is supposed to feel safe in the home yeah. with you, the parent, and then you turn mm. around and tell a story mm, yeah. where suddenly they're exposed to danger and, right. and then it becomes frightening. Maybe it was a form of control camp, don't you think? Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, there is one trope in those uh, grim uh, things, which is the evil stepmother. Mm. And, but that does have some historical truth to it because when there were plagues or, 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 or even not, an awful lot of women would die in childbirth. Mm. And then the father would remarry. And the new wife would have no interest in the old children. Mm. Um, so by telling a story about the evil stepmother, it'd be like, the child would be like, oh my God, my mother might die. I hadn't thought of that. And then my father would become horrible and would treat me like dirt. And uh, I'm going to be put in an oven and burnt or fed to a, a wolf. Um, <laughs> so there is some sort of historical truth. So I, I'm not a big horror movie fan either. Mikey, are you? Do you like to be scared? Uh, no, I'm, I'm very much like Bernice. I'm, I don't really like horror, but I do watch it on occasion um, because I do like that sort of uh, rush of adrenaline when I get, you know, when, when I get scared. But no, it's not something I actually actively look. That's something that's fascinated me for years, and it's this. Um, I've also associated horror movies or ghost stories with the urban-rural divide, like for example. Um, I would only um, be interested in ghost stories going back to my grandmother's kampong in Sitiawan. But I have a question that's been bugging me. Why are Singaporeans in their incredibly urbanized city-state so fascinated with ghost stories? When really, mm. as you said, Cam, there's nothing to be scared about. The lights are on, the water runs. Well, if my theory holds, it's because they're frightened of Malaysia. <laughs> they're, they're, they're frightened of what's on the other side of the causeway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be my theory. We'd have to ask a Singaporean, but I don't know. Yes, Bernice, you'd have to, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mikey. It is a phenomenon. Do you, do you have any ideas, Bernice? No, absolutely no. no. Well, they're a, they're a bunch of scaredy cats. Mm. That's why. But I think you're right. It's that whole notion of feeling safe and then, you know, yeah, feeling safe in, in Singapore and, and wanting to know what is on the other side. And, and again, it's, it's allowing your imagination to sort of run riot and to put yourself in, in, in um, you know, in the face of danger. Like, what would you do? You know, would you, in this sort of HDB dwelling, you know, mm. world, um, what, what is capable of scaring you? Yeah. in this kind of world so i don't yeah. know yeah, yeah there's something to be like and pap were voted out oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Save us. Yeah. anyway well on that bombshell um we're going to move on then to uh the final part of the show rec uh, recommendations where we recommend something that we think might be of interest and bernie's Chorley goes first yes i'm going to recommend the mandalorian um as you can expect uh i think season <laughs> two was was you know fantastic it outdid itself um Kudos to John Favreau and Dave Filoni for creating something which has enthralled and thrilled and, and made life worth living again from, from, you know, thousands and thousands of Star Wars fans around the world. Um, yes, it was, it was a glorious finale to what has been, I think, you know, canon in the Star Wars cinematic universe. So please, please watch it. Does that mean Mandalorian is finished? That's it? No more Mandalorian? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, we okay. expect season three in, in December 2021. 
along with the Book of Boba Fett and along with, you know, 10 more um, wonderful series that's, that Disney is going to be rolling out over the next decade. Can I go ask a question, buddy? So I just double check. Do you like Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> yes, I just, do. Just wanted, just no, wanted it's, to be clear. It's just, no, it's, you know, I'm in my 50s and it's just such a thrill to be able to feel like a kid again. It really, it just, you know, season two was, was exhilarating. I was just waiting every Friday over the last, you know, two months, just waiting for the next episode to drop and then just watching it and, and it sort of filling my weekend with all these, you know, scenarios that, that, you know, you're allowed to put yourself in. It just, just, you know, it's a gift to, to have this human imagination, to be able to, to run riot in worlds that, that exist from, from the minds of people like George Lucas and John Favreau and Dave Filoni. It's just extraordinary. But also to be faithful to that universe, to but, not, you know, segue like J.J. Ames did, you know, God forbid, with what yeah. he did with episode seven, eight, and nine. It's just horrific. You know, it's completely really? forgettable. Really? I like Yes, them. yes. You have to watch season two of The Mandalorian. Really, okay, you must. Bernie, you but can I ask you? But what yes. about the, the George Lucas uh, prequels? The episodes mm, one, two, episodes three. one, two, and three. I mean, yeah, you know, surely, you know. But those had some very memorable scenes, you know. I mean, there mm. are scenes that I will remember from episodes mm. one, two, and three, but not from seven, eight, and nine. That was just complete, you know, rubbish. I'm sorry. Wow, okay. All right, well, okay. Um, it was just, yeah, it just lacked so much authenticity, and it just really, just it was severely lacking, and I just wish that, it would be possible to remake those series. All right. Only, well, uh, after, after this show, we will have a special extended uh, uh, bit of culture where Bernice Chorley will talk about Star Wars uh, <laughs> continuously <laughs> for charity um, <laughs> for the next 24 hours. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Uh, Mandalorian season two. two. Uh, yes. Mikey, by the way, have you watched Mandalorian? Uh, not yet, but I actually plan to if Disney Plus ever comes to Malaysia. Uh, I'm so, actually quite interested in The Mandalorian because I think that it actually brings it back to the original Star Wars cinematic universe. universe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, don't, we shouldn't ask too closely how Bernie's got to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the magic of something. Can of worms. Okay. So, so um, uh, Mikey, what's your recommendation? Okay. Uh, my recommendation is that uh, in 2021, that you should that people should try walking backwards. Uh, now, okay. most people walk forwards, <laughs> most normal people anyway, as far as I know, because we're designed that way and our toes are pointed that way. So normally walk forward and you can walk faster forward. It's not natural to walk backwards, but I recommend it. Uh, why? Because I think we should all slow down a bit. And uh, in fact, Spend, and spend some time contemplating where we're going and how fast we're going in our aspects of life. Um, what brought this on? Well, it's actually, I had a conversation with one of my friends who's extremely intelligent and a high performer. And he tells me that he listens to a podcast at one, at one and a half times normal speed or even twice normal speed. And for the life of me, I can't phantom doing that. You know, because I'm, I, kept, I kept asking myself the question, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to speed things up when everything is so fast already? Mm, mm. So rather than telling you to listen to things or to move at a normal pace, what is a normal pace anyway? That's another question for another time. 
I'll just so recommend wait. one thing. Yes, sorry, go. Yeah. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. So your friend listens to podcasts that are speeded up. So, yes, right. So someone who's talking like a, like a chipmunk, you know. That's so right. Really... On helium. Wow. Or, yeah. Uh, okay. And he tells me it's because he wants the information as fast as possible. And he's because he's got more things to listen to, which he'll listen to at one half times uh, normal speed again. Mm. Wow. So wow. Your, your recommendation is to walk, to walk backwards. backwards. This is one, of the, one of the craziest recommendations we have. <laughs> it's, a neat, it's a neat idea. I see it coming. I just want to say to, the, to uh, our two listeners that um, if, if you, you do this um, on, on your own right, if you walk in backwards into a, the path of a speeding train, please do not sue a bit of culture. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, Disclaimer, and, and, do this safely. Please. Do this safely. <laughs> Check with your doctors first. Yes. Oh Always seek medical advice. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, try walking backwards. You, uh, Mikey, you obviously have been doing this yourself. I've been doing it in, uh, within the confines of my condo in a safe environment that's no oncoming traffic or outgoing. What have, you, what have you gained from, from doing this? Um, that's a good question. I would say that I've gained a sense of wondering why we need to actually move so fast in one direction uh, all the time. I'm not saying we don't have to move. I'm just postulating the question, why can't we just sit where we are, even go backwards for, for a bit? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, we'll check it out, folks. Um, I just want to say that I, I spent my entire life slowly going backwards. So <laughs> I'm actually way ahead of you, Mikey. Uh, I'll be so, catching up soon. Yeah. Uh, we'll meet. We'll meet as, as yeah, backwards. Somewhere. As, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go try it. After this, I'll try it. Uh, so uh, my recommendation is actually a recommendation to myself because 2021 is upon us. And 2020 was, I think we can all agree, a pretty appalling year. But if one good thing came out of it for me is I, I actually read a lot, um, forced myself to put down the phone during mm-hmm. MCO and pick up a book and read. Mm. And, uh, and I, I'm really pleased I did that. And I've, I've gained so much out of that. So my recommendation is, as I say, to me that in 2021, I want to continue this reading thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, mm. I think there's some a real benefit in in dedicating yourself to a book which you're not going to finish in a day. It's going to take you weeks, perhaps, to to get through and to keep going back to it and to like, oh, where was I? And and re meeting those characters and and working your way through. And uh, and I I'd always been a, f- a fan of Charles Dickens, but I've read a lot of Charles Dickens. Oh, yes. and, and we're talking about mm. cinematic universes. For me, he yeah. is that. Um, and um, and I've, yeah, I've sort of just grown to appreciate the, the long it's even form. even more. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's fantastic. Yeah. Man's so funny. Mm. So, so that's my recommendation to me. And if anybody else picked up on that, I mean, great. If we all started reading. Um, by the way, mm. Bernice, your, your kids, do they read? Are they young people? Yes, yes. Read? Well, yeah, they do. Um, uh, my younger daughter was just gifted a massive tome of all the H.P. Lovecraft stories. Um, and she's really enjoying that. And my older one is, is a reader. But I just found that, you know, it's really difficult to read this year. Just somehow just 
so difficult to focus on something. Apart from the times when I was at the archives, um, you know, thanks to you for recommending me to the Archi Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And I spent many, many hours um, upstairs in the library just going through, pouring through old books and manuscripts from our colonial past. So that, mm. was, that was very, very good. It was very insightful and just wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, another recommendation, go to the archives. Uh, yes. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode, the first episode of 2021. Uh, are, we, are we all in agreement? But, I mean, do we think that 2021 is going to be okay? Is it going to be better than 2021? Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Mikey? Yes. My crystal ball is cloudy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll reserve judgment until the first or second week of 2021. I'll let you know then. I, I think halfway through is actually when we're going to start to know. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so folks, uh, Happy New Year! And, um, and all Happy that. New Year. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> and, uh, and please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.